Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. I want you to hear it from me first. Um, hey, I, uh, I could not be more excited about what God has for us as we kick off this new year. I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on, kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and like three of you clapped for that a second ago. That was awesome. Um, I wanna invite you, God does fantastic things through not just fasting, but prayer and fasting. This isn't a weight loss program. This is a sin loss program. Come on, this is a weight loss program so we can move forward. Um, we, we got New Year's resolutions going on. We got our Saturday night service is about to kick off in a few weeks. So I just wanna say, if you're in an overflow room right now, we have hope for you because there's another service about to kick off in just a few weeks. Um, but how I like to think about a new year is kind of like this, is it's a, it's a canvas waiting to be painted out. And I just wanna say this, I cannot wait to see how God paints out your year this year. So let me say this, whether, uh, whether you've been at Victory for decades or this is your first day, let me just do this. Let me extend a welcome to Victory Church. Welcome to Victory Church. And I emphasize church there for a big reason. One, um, the, ch the church is bigger than Victory Church. We are a part of a really big capital C church of God throughout the ages and the nations. But I also emphasize church because the church is something that we're gonna kind of spend a little bit of time on as we kick off this new year. And that's really kind of the question, right? Like after all, like what is church? You know, if I was to ask you that question, what is church? What would you say? Is it, is it a place? It is, is it a people? Like, what do we mean when we say victory church? Well, if you go to the Bible uh, in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament is primarily written in Greek. And uh, in the Greek, the word for church is ekklesia. And so ekklesia in the Greek, it means an assembly or a gathering. And ek means uh, out of, and kaleo means called out. And so the ecclesia is those who are called out. Now you know this is true. Why? Because you, you were somewhere before you were here. Right? You didn't sleep in that seat last night, did you? Okay, you were somewhere else. And guess what? You were called out of that place to gather and assemble. So this is the ecclesia, right? We are, we are called out of where we were and we are gathered around an idea, a truth. Jesus' ecclesia, Jesus' church literally changed the world, okay? And so from its inception, from the birth of the church, it was probably the best word to describe it is, it was a movement. It was moving. It was a movement built around the conviction that Jesus had died as the only savior for sinners and through his resurrection that he proved that he was who he said that he was and he could do everything that he said that he could do, that Jesus Christ was Lord and King of the earth and all women, men, and children were called to repent and come to faith in his name. And the church was called out and gathered around that idea and they were moving boldly forward to advance that in the world. That's the ecclesia, that's the church. But over the years, something happened. There was a shift and people, instead of seeing it as an assembly, as a gathering of people were called out to advance a movement on mission, they started to see the church as a place that you went. And in fact, our English word for church does not come from ecclesia. You know, you notice ecclesia sounds nothing like church. Our English word for church actually comes from the, the German word kirche, and Kirche is a sacred place where you gather for religious purposes. 
Are y'all noticing the difference? So get this, over, over time, the idea of the church changed from a movement of God's people forcefully advancing the kingdom of Jesus to a room you visited every seven days. The church became a place that you kind of resurrected your Christianity every seven days in a cycle to kind of come back into a place and look up into heaven and where you wanted to get out of early so you could beat the Baptist to lunch. It's a place, a, a provider of religious services, right? Where, where we complain if the sermon's too long or the worship's not hype enough or it's too loud or they didn't do good with my kids today or the heat's a little too much. Come on, it's a place where we go to kind of check the box of a guilty conscience. It's the place we go that, that a handful of pastors have learned how to exploit the congregation for money. It's a place of denominational fractions where the Catholics are over there and the Baptists are over there, Charismatics are over here. It's a, it's a powerful voting block that Washington has learned how to manipulate every four years. In fact, one of those men in Washington, he was a Presbyterian pastor. Dad, you would have been proud. And uh, he was the, the chaplain of the Senate. Here's what he said. In the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centered on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece, where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe, where it became a culture. And finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise. So let me just say something to all the skeptics today. Welcome. I'm just as skeptical as you are. Because the church has a bad rap today. It does. It should for a lot of the things that have happened. And I think we all know this, that, that Jesus' church in many ways, especially in America, has gotten off track. Okay? But listen, I still have hope. Okay? I, you want to know why I have, I have hope? Because Jesus himself says that the gates of hell will never overcome the church. Never overcome the church. The church is an unstoppable movement when it's founded on Christ. And I know this, guys. I know enough history to know this. The governments have come and gone. Come on, dictators have risen and fallen. Ideas, sociological ideas have come and gone. And listen, the grass withers and the flowers fade. Come on. But the word of God endures forever. The church will endure forever. The church is still here. Listen, Rome, who tried to extinguish the church at the very beginning, is gone. But Jesus' church is still here. Still here. And it will remain. Because what, what happens, God is so faithful that in certain times, in certain seasons, God raises up reformers to bring the church back to what it was actually meant to be, back to original intent. And I, I believe this. I have such a high faith for this. I believe that we are in a reformation season in America. And listen, I know you're like, well, that leader's fallen and that leader's fallen. That denomination's in trouble. Exactly. That is God purifying the church. That is God ripping away the unhealth. That is God exposing the, the toxicity so it can be removed, so he can get a pure spotless bride again. So it, become, it can actually become the movement of God that it was intended to be. So do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I believe I'm looking at somebody who can make a difference for God. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you too. <laughs> not going to make you say all that again. <laughs> Listen, here's what I believe. I believe that church is meant to be a people who are moving, 
not a place people are sitting. I'm gonna say it again. Church, the intention of church, the mission of the church is to be a people who are moving, not just a people who are sitting. And movements move. Movements move. And so that's the question. I think this is the question for us is we just get going today, but really get going at the beginning of the year or maybe a new spiritual season for you. Is church the place you sit or is it the movement of God that you belong to? It's a really important question to answer. So here, here, here's the idea, guys. What is the church supposed to be? For that, we go to the book of Acts. Now, here's the deal. If you were part of the Victory family last year, we spent a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount, and that was awesome. But today, we're turning the page, and this year, we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Acts. I'm excited because we're about to dive headfirst into the book of Acts. Why? Because by God's grace, he's going to rescue us, I'll say it again, from a Christianity that resurrects every seven days, wakes back up on Sunday morning, and goes dormant again on Sunday night. He's going to rescue us from the seven-day cycle of Christianity, and he's going to breathe on atrophied spiritual muscles and awaken us back to be part of the movement of God with the people of God. And we were talking to Pastor Mo this last weekend. If you know Pastor Mo, he works out not as much as me. <laughs> that dude's jacked. And uh, he, say, he said this. He said this. Um, he said, guys, there, there's the difference between show muscles and go muscles. And y'all know what I'm talking about. If, if you know the, the dudes like, who, are, who are like bodybuilders, that sort of thing, they got the show muscles. But they are so big, they are so stiff and rigid, they can't even take their shirt off. They're like, hey, stop, who's that back there? You know what I'm saying? And they wear sweatpants because they got little toothpicks for legs. Because they show off what's in the mirror, right? But they got show muscles, but if they had to go, they can't go at all. They're rigid, they're inflexible, they have no endurance. They got one set of muscles that, ever, that look good to everybody, but when, they're actually, and when it's actually time to move, they can't move. And I'm just, listen guys, the church in this last season has been the, the, the same way that we are really great at gathering and we're really bad at going. But the book of Acts is called that because it's full of men and women who are about that life, right? Right, listen, it's, it's called the book of Acts because it's about action. Maybe you've never read it before. It's, it's in the Bible. You're like, oh, it's, another, it's the Bible and then the book of Acts. No, it's in the Bible. And it's full of just, it, there's not a dull page in the entire book, right? It's, it, the subtitle is The Acts of the Apostles, right? This is, this is the, the Acts of the Early Disciples. Others would actually call it The Acts of the Holy Spirit because none of what happens in the book of Acts is possible if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and empower God's people. Others would call it The Acts of the Early Church of Jesus, right, that we are a part of. So, so let's, do the, let's, let's get some of the housekeeping out of the way. So where is the book of Acts? Okay, it's in the Bible, New Testament, which is the right side of the Bible. You might be really new to this thing, okay? All right, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all right, fifth book of the New Testament. So who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. All right, Luke. Uh, Luke was a Gentile. Luke was, um, a lot of people think that Luke was like a doctor. He was a brilliant man. He wrote uh, the book, so he actually wrote the book of Luke. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And so Luke is like part one and Acts is part two. Uh, Luke was a brilliant man, so he wrote in brilliant Greek. This is just a small little detail. Um, uh, when you look at Mark and you look at Peter, who wrote in the New Testament, they wrote in dumb Greek. Luke wrote in smart Greek. 
And in fact, uh, secular historians still read Luke's um, writing today, not because of Jesus, but because of the, the richness of the Greek. And that matters, I think, because I, I love that God saves brilliant people and brings them into his family. And so listen, if today you're brilliant, welcome to the family. If you're a dumb fisherman, welcome to the family. I love that. The gospel's for everybody, guys. There's a seat at the table for all of us and everybody in between. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So why did Luke write the book of Acts? Well, really to chronicle the forceful movement advancing the spirit-filled, bold proclamation of the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome and beyond. In essence, the book of Acts is our lineage. If you wondered how, how, did, how ultimately did the gospel, the good news of Jesus, how did it get from Jerusalem in 33 AD to our city today, book of Acts? That's, that's where we start learning about the movement of the gospel. When did he write it? Somewhere around 70 AD, okay? So what that means is in the book of Acts, and I'm saying all this because I want you to read it when you go home, all right? Don't just, just live on what we're saying here. Go home and read it. Dive into it yourself. What we see in the book of Acts is, in essence, the first power-packed 35 years of the church. I love it. So let's dive into it. Here it is. Acts 1, verse 1. We're going to cover the first 11 verses right here. So this is Luke writing from the, from the jump, from the first verse. He says, in my former book, guess what? The book of Luke, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So Luke wrote Luke. He says, in my former book... Uh, Theophilus, Theophilus, um, we'll break that down in a second. He said, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Pause. Um, there's a lot going on in there already. So um, Luke is talking to somebody named Theophilus. And there's a lot of thinking about this guy, Theophilus. Who was he, okay? So a few ideas. Theophilus was either somebody that Luke was personally evangelizing to um, some, some theologians think that Theophilus was kind of like a rich, benevolent Christian who had commissioned Luke to actually go do the work and write down the, the, the gospel of Jesus and then the history of the early church. Um, uh, there are a number of theologians who actually believe this. Since the, the word Theophilus in Greek, it actually means those who are loved God loved by God or those who love God. They believe that Luke is writing this letter to the church under the name Theophilus. All right, And then he says this. This is one of my favorite things in the entire book of Acts. He says, in my last book, I wrote to you about what Jesus began to do. So get this. The book of Luke is about what Jesus began to do. The book of Acts is about what Jesus is still doing. Okay, Luke is past tense. Acts is present tense. Acts is what Jesus is still doing through his church then and still doing today. That's why it's so like, like wise for us to go back and read it, because it's what Jesus is doing by his spirit in his church today. So then Luke, what he does, he, he, he begins to bridge the book of Luke's over, over into the book of Acts. And we'll pick up here. It says, after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to his disciples, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, 
Lord, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, two angels, dressed in white, stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Woo! So here's what happens, all right? Jesus dies for the sins of the world. He rises again. He speaks to his disciples, and then he ascends into heaven, right? And in that moment where he's speaking, they, the disciples, they gather around him, and they ask, Lord, are you, are, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel today? In other words, Jesus, are you going to bring heaven to earth and kill all of your enemies today? Like this afternoon, say around 3 o'clock. Like, you're going to bring heaven and kill everybody, right? And Jesus, you, you ever, you ever, we got any parents? We got any parents in here? Okay, you ever told your kid something, and then they ask a question, and you're like, were you even listening to anything? Okay, okay, that's what happens right here. Jesus says, hey, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go. And they're like, hey, are you gonna murder all your enemies today? And Jesus is like, whoa. Guys, y'all, y'all need to go back home and wait. Like chill out for like 10 minutes because the very people you're asking me to kill, I'm gonna use you to save. Come on, Christians. Same thing applies to us. God, I wouldn't mind if you killed my boss. God, just fire come down on that car who just cut me off in traffic. And Jesus is like, whoa, guys, throttle back, throttle back, throttle back. The same people you're wanting to die, I'm gonna use you, spirit-empowered, to go safe. And Jesus says this. He says, guys, you're asking when I'm coming back, but you actually should be more concerned with what you're gonna be doing until I come back. Because you're asking me to take you out of the world. I have no interest in taking you out of the world. In fact, my interest is to send you back into the world to go and be messengers. And I love this, guys. I love that Jesus did not rebuke his disciples for wanting heaven to come to earth. What he says is, hey, that day's coming. That day's coming. Yes, heaven will come to earth. Like, like the whole thing, is, it's, it's all going to happen. But until that day comes, today I commission you to be my witnesses. In fact, every, every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, every one of the Gospels has what we would call a great commission text, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, let's look at it. Everybody knows Matthew. Matthew 28, Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, everybody say go, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded you. And surely, guess what? You're not gonna be alone when you do it because Jesus says, I will, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Matthew, Mark, Mark 16, Jesus says, go. Everybody say go. go. Catching a theme? Into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew, Mark, Luke, what does Luke say in Luke 24? Jesus told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Guess what? You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 20, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, 
I am also sending you. Family, we are a sent people. We are a sent people. We are a commissioned people. We are a go people. We are a sent people. There's no way you can read the Bible and think that the highest expression of our Christianity is to visit a building every seven days. That's part of it, but it's this much of it. But listen, that's exactly what the disciples were about to do there in Acts 1. Right? What, what happens? Jesus, we just read it. Jesus uh, rises from the dead. He appears to them. He commissions them, right? And then he, he totally, Jesus jukes them. He's like, what's that over there? Oh, right? <laughs> and all the disciples are like, what? What? Okay, y'all clearly don't read the Bible like I do. <laughs> Come on. Come on. This is like God in the flesh, their best friend. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh. Like he floats off the air into the cloud. Peter's mouth is like, uh. John's like, what? Like these guys are losing their minds. And while they're staring up into the sky, they're right on the verge. Listen, they're right on the verge of building a building right there on the Mount of Olives. You can put some pews in there, a nice pipe organ up front. They're gonna hold revival services where everybody just comes in every seven days, sits down, and just waits for the rapture. <laughs> and then these angels show up. And they're like, whoa, 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 guys, what are y'all doing? Hey, 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 time, time, take your eyes out of heaven. It's time to receive the Holy Spirit and get to work. And this is not time to build a monument. It's time to be a part of the movement. And listen, family, the church for too long has stopped the movement, and we build a monument, and we gather every seven days, and we just sit around waiting for the rapture. And I'm here today to tell us it's time to receive the Holy Spirit and it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work because God is not trying to pull you out of this world. God is sending you into this world. And so, so here's the question. What are we gonna do about it? Now, now, one of the OGs, I'm telling you, like the OG, he does not play preacher Charles Spurgeon. Here's what he says about it. If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will earnestly be imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. I told you, you don't play. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. If you really know Christ, you are like one who's found honey and you will call others to taste of its sweetness. You're like the beggar who's discovered an endless supply of food and you must go tell the hungry crowd that you have found Jesus and you are anxious that they should find him too. We are a sent people. Yes, we gather here. Yes, we got, we are called, you've been called out from where you were, and we gather here. We, 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 we are called out to this rhythm to gather together with the people of God. We do gather, but this, listen, listen, listen. We then scatter back out into the places that we came from to go be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We gather, and then we scatter. We gather, and then we scatter. Can, can we say it? We gather, then we scatter. Come on, one more time. We gather, then we scatter. 
Guys, too many of us, the church for too long has left off the last half of that statement. And we just think the whole thing of church is about just gathering together on a Sunday. And this is just kind of what we do. Listen, we do gather to be equipped, to be charged, to get encouragement, to worship together. But then we are scattered back out into the places that we came from. Why? Because we are carriers of the best news ever. The reason the church exists is to bear witness to the present rule and reign, the kingly glory of Jesus Christ and salvation in his name alone. And Jesus calls us witnesses of that message. We saw it right there in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Family, listen. Jesus says you will what? Be his witnesses. Listen. Jesus does not say that you will do witnessing. Now listen, some, sometimes, like yes, absolutely, there, there is that sort of thing. But listen, it, I'm not even gonna ask for hands in here. Not a lot of us like doing witnessing, right? Here's my vision of doing witnessing. Hey, hey, here's a million dollar bill. And they open it up and they're like, there's something better than a million dollars, Jesus. <laughs> this is what Christians do all the time at, at restaurants, I'm not gonna leave you a tip. I'm gonna leave you something better than a tip. <laughs> Here's a $1,000 bill. And they're like, what? They open it up. Something better than $1,000. <laughs> Listen, Christians. We have, Christians have the worst rap in restaurants because we leave church on Sunday talking about how great God has been to us and then we go out and, and we, we just completely blank on the waiters and the waitresses. And that's our witness. That's our testimony. That's how we're known. One of, the, one of the most gospel things you can do is go out of here and leave a good tip this afternoon. Unless you're fasting. And then don't, you can do that in three weeks. <laughs> or leave a good tip and a track. But here's what I'm saying. The, what Jesus says, because here's the idea, guys. You can do witnessing, I don't know, once every other month for an hour. We're not just called to do witnessing. We're called to be witnesses. Because doing witnessing is something you do every once in a while, but being a witness is someone you are 24-7, 24-7. Here's a witness. A witness is someone who communicates accurately what they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. In other words, if you leave here today and you go out and you see an accident on the interstate, right? The police may call you to court to be a? Okay, question. Do you have to go to witnessing school? Do you have to even know how to drive a car? No, they want you to say the gray one hit the blue one. Don't make it up. Just tell of what you've personally seen, heard, and experienced. Jesus calls you his witness. Come on. Jesus calls you his witness. That means your whole life embodies the message of what Jesus has done in your life, the truth of who he is and what he's done in your life. Come on. That, that means everywhere you go, whether it's Sunday morning or Monday afternoon or Friday night, come on, somebody. <laughs> it, does, it, it doesn't matter who you're with, Christians or non-Christians. It doesn't matter where you go, whether you're in church or you're at your boyfriend's house at midnight. <laughs> or you're out with the fellas and they start popping caps. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Everywhere you go, you are a witness of the gospel. 
and we are a witness of the gospel in the political spheres that we're in, in the educational spheres that we're in, in the neighborhood spheres that we're in, in, in the, the friend groups that we're in. Everywhere we go, in the arts, in the media, wherever you are, you are a witness. If somebody is sick, you lay hands on them and you say, be healed in the name of Jesus. If somebody is oppressed, you help them find freedom in Jesus' name. If somebody is hungry, you feed them in the name of Jesus. If somebody is houseless, you help them navigate their way forward in Jesus' name. If somebody is lonely, you are a friend to them and therefore you are known by your love. If somebody is a baby Christian, you help them become a disciple. Why? Because you're a witness. Everywhere you go, I am a witness. I am a walking, talking, breathing billboard for the beauty and the majesty and the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what a witness is, and that's what a witness does. Now, the question is, where are we witnesses? Jesus says it right here. We'll read it again, Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses in four places, Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the deal. Um, some of y'all may not know this if you're newer. I am a geography major from the University of Georgia. Go dogs! glory, hallelujah. Um, and so uh, whenever, whenever I hear the names of places, my ears perk up, my geography ears perk up. And I know if you're younger, you have no clue about any geography. I know that. I don't know what schools have done to you all. I'm sorry, I apologize on behalf of the educational system in America. You don't even know what's happening next door. Like, you, you don't know. It's not your fault. You weren't taught that. But whenever I hear Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, my geography ears perk up. And so let me just say, in, in Israel itself, these are like concentric circles going out, okay? So you have Jerusalem here, then you have Judea, then you have Samaria, then you have the ends of the earth. In fact, the entire book of Acts, if you actually go through it chapter by chapter, is the movement of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, all right? So there's that, but then there's, we're called to be witnesses in four places, but also this. These are the last words spoken by Jesus in the flesh. And so again, if you're newer to Victory, you may not know this, but I love this. Um, when Victory is first getting going over 30 years ago, Pastor Dennis and Colleen, the Lord spoke to them about Acts 1-8. And this is as simply put as it could be. There's probably nothing better to build a church on than the last words of Jesus in the flesh. So, so we took these four places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and they became the how. They became the vision of what victory is called to do. So what we have here in Acts 1-8, we have the call, the commission to be witnesses in four areas, but we also have the heartbeat of the church that you belong to happening at the same time. So where are we called to be witnesses? Let me fly through it real quick. Where are we called to be witnesses? The first place is Jerusalem. Jerusalem was their hometown. That was their home. And so what we say, the first thing that Victory is built on is building families. All right, these, these four pillars are in all of our buildings, all right? So what we are called to do as, as witnesses of Jesus Christ, listen, we are called to witness in our family first, okay? Listen, before I'm a pastor up here, I'm a pastor at home. Listen, if I do it bad at home, I have no right to be up here. Same goes for you. Same goes for you. And I, listen, I, have, I, have, I, I don't have no example of this, but I have this nightmare scenario in my mind, and it plays out every once in a while just in my mind, that, that we, have, we have made just a fantastic usher here at Victory who, who is a terrible husband, alcoholic, abuses his wife at home. Listen, 
The call is not to be witnesses when all the lights are on, guys. The call is to actually represent Christ in everything you say and do in all areas, and it starts first at home. It starts first as your role as husband or as wife or as son or as daughter or as friend or as parent. Whatever your role is, witnessing starts at home first. And so victory began with a burden for the family because we lifted up our eyes and we saw the, the, the state of fatherlessness and single moms and the leadership crisis and the economic crisis and the sexuality crisis. And we looked at it and we said, Jesus can do something about that. Come on, guys. Do you believe that Jesus can do something about the family mess? that's happening in America right now, and he has. We've seen it. We've seen prodigals come home. We've seen marriages get put back together. My marriage was saved like from day one in a young adult small group here at Victory. We've seen wayward husbands come home. We've seen adulterous wives come back to faithfulness. We've seen rebellious teenagers get saved. Come on, why? Because we hold on to what's impossible with man is possible with God. And we believe that whatever miracle, listen, whatever miracle you're holding out for, I believe God is well able to accomplish that miracle. Nothing's impossible with God. Not, I'm gonna say it again. Nothing is impossible with God. In fact, one of the things that God does best is bring dead things back to life. So if you're like, my marriage is dead, awesome, you're positioned for a miracle. My kid, it's impossible. <laughs> Nothing's impossible with God. Come on, guys. I believe that God can put the family back together. And here at Victory, as we're called to be witnesses in the family first, we believe in the family. And so how we say it is a lot, a lot of churches babysit the kids so we can minister to the adults. Guess what? We babysit you so we can minister to your kids. Because we do not have childcare here at Victory. We have children's ministry. And in fact, if you're one of the children's ministers, I salute you. Can we just give some love? our children's team here at Victory. You guys are killing it. We have, we have parent workshops here at Victory who are helping you to better parent your kids through the crazy seasons of the craziness of the world. Um, we have a sixth and seventh grade ministry here at Victory that ends with a rite of passage where we're helping uh, kids move from childhood into young adulthood. We have a youth ministry that's sending leaders back out into high schools. We have a young adult ministry for 18 to 30. If you're 18 to 30 and you ain't in young adults, what are you doing with your life? Because we have hundreds of thriving young adults who aren't making the same mistakes as all their peers. And they, therefore, they don't have to spend their 30s and their 40s and their 50s making up for the mistakes they made in their 20s. We have pre-married classes to help you get married the right way. Come on. Some of y'all wish you had a pre-married back then. And we also have something, I think it's one of the best kept secrets here at Victory. We have victoryatl.com slash marriage help. VictoryATL.com slash marriage help. One of the best things we do here. If your marriage is in a place where you need some help, right? You can go to VictoryATL.com slash marriage help and there's a calendar and behind those time slots are leaders where you can have a Zoom meeting with a leader this afternoon or tomorrow or Thursday, whatever that is. Like you can schedule it right there. Why? Why? Because we believe that we're called to be witnesses of Jesus and our family first. And if you're looking for a stronger family, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. So Jesus begins. He says, you're called to be witnesses in Jerusalem. Then he says, in Judea. Okay, so Judea was like the surrounding countryside around Jerusalem. It was the greater Atlanta metropolitan area. Okay, and so how we say it is, uh, as God has called us to Judea, he's called us to transform the communities that we belong to. 
And I have this conviction, okay? We believe this. We believe that if the people of God disappeared tomorrow, the community should notice, okay? But the problem is so many churches are so self-centered that if they disappeared tomorrow, people would drive by and be like, didn't there used to be like a Best Buy over there? Come on, if some Christians disappeared from your workplace tomorrow, people would be like, didn't somebody used to sit in that chair? But I believe it should be hard to go to hell in our city, guys, because you're here. Not because, quote unquote, a place, victory, a place is here. No, but because the church is here. Come on, guys. Listen, it it is our job, but I'm gonna personalize it. It is your job to be a witness in your community. Jesus calls us to go. It is your job to gather here. But then bigger than that, it's your job to scatter from here. Okay, back out into the neighborhoods, back out into the HOA association, somebody help us. (laughs) Back into your workplace, back into the arts, back into the books that you're writing, back into politics, back into education, wherever you're at. Your job is to gather and then scatter back out into your communities to be witnesses, which is why we started house churches. Okay, because we don't think that the gospel should just be concentrated here. What would it look like if you actually started a house church in your neighborhood and took little fires of the gospel with you as you were scattered back out all around the city and all around the states? It's why we launched Victory Vita out as a church because we we want there to be a higher concentration of the gospel as it's going out across our county. It's why we have community transformation teams. These are often small groups that are gathered around missions. I just found this out this last week. One of the great things that we do here at Victory is called Forward, and it's about uh, moving past your past and moving forward in Jesus' name. It's getting freedom and healing. Um, And we actually just found out there's groups of women who are actually going out to Lee Arendelle Women's Prison in Northeast Georgia holding forward classes for the women who are incarcerated there. That's awesome. We are present in our local food banks, wherever you are. We are ministering to homeless almost every single day. One of the the things that Victory's really involved in is actually taking groups of of men and women and going to to minister to, write letters to, love on uh, women who are caught in sex trafficking, prostitution, and pull them out of there and give them a new life. This is happening every single day, guys. People are going out, why? Because we're not just called to gather, we're called to scatter. And we're called to be witnesses in our communities. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria. Okay, Samaria was kind of like just north of Jerusalem. And uh, they were arch enemies of each other. So the, the Jews saw the Samaritans as like the half, half-breeds, right? These are people who had been polluted. It was this weird racial religious factions and they all hated each other. So where are we called to be witnesses? In Samaria, we call that reconciling cultures. And we believe this. If you're newer to victory, you may not know this. Um, We believe it is still a condemnation on the church at large that Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail is still primarily true today, that the church hours in America are still the most segregated hours in America. All right, and the next, specifically the next, younger people, the next generation, do not know how to reconcile the fact that they live multicultural lives and then they go to a homogeneous church. Like, you know that's a thing, right? You know there's white churches? You ever heard of that? There's black churches, there are Latino churches, there's Asian churches, right? Like, we just kind of group up in these factions, and we just kind of lob bombs over at at each other. But God has called his people to change that. God has called his, listen, as born-again followers of Jesus, your mission isn't just to hang with your people. 
Your mission isn't just to hang with your people. Your mission is to be a witness. I love this. Your witness is to be, your, your mission is to be a witness that the red blood of Jesus Christ unites every color, puts us all together. In fact, I say this, we have to do this every once in a while. Uh, we call it the fridge test. Called the fridge test, right? You one of those people that has a bunch of pictures on your fridge? All right, you're younger, I'll call it the Instagram test, Facebook test, whatever, wherever you have your pictures, okay? Go and look at your pictures this afternoon, and if they all look like you, you got some work to do. Because this is not about integration. Listen, this is not about integration. This is not about toleration. This is about reconciliation, being one people under the banner of Jesus Christ. And, and God has done such a wonderful work here. There's really no way of telling. We're at least one of the, if not the most multicultural church in America, okay? And here's how I know that, okay? Here's how I know that. If you were not born in America, raise your hand. <laughs> Look around. No, you can keep your hands up. We have nobody here checking. We have nobody. You're safe. <laughs> You're good, you're good. Now I love, look around, I love it. Come on. You can put your hands down, you can put your, every time we gather, it's like a taste of heaven, right? Revelation seven has every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around the throne, worshiping Jesus together. That's what this thing's about, guys. Our witness to a lost world is that God can put us all together despite all of our differences. The blood of Jesus unites us. There's a thousand things that divide us, but the blood of Jesus unites us, and we are better together, and I'm glad you're here. I am glad you're here, guys. I am glad you're here. We're better together. Why? Because we're called to be witnesses in the cultures. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And how, how we say that here uh, at Victory is uh, we're called to be witnesses who impact the nations. And one, one of the issues, especially in a first world country, quote unquote, right, of America, is that as Christians and as churches, we are often rich towards ourselves and poor towards everyone else. We, we, we store up wealth for ourselves when our fellow brothers and sisters and the nations as a whole are suffering. And I love the fact that since its inception, since the beginning, Victory Church uh, wanted to take a perceptive um, that encompasses God's plan for the whole world, not just for us, right? Like some churches are just about themselves. Some churches are about the city. A few are about the, the state or the nation. Very few are about the nations. But God has called us to be a people who are witnesses, not just here, but in the nations, which is why we are planting house churches um, in places like Jamaica. They probably, you probably need a visit. I'll come down there pretty soon. Don't worry about that. Um, no, but uh, places like South Africa, Vietnam, like we're, we're putting like little victories out there because God hasn't just called us to change Atlanta. He's called us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? Um, this is why we, we go on dozens of mission trips every single year. Listen, it is my conviction that every single Christian should go on a mission trip at some point in your life, right? Because you need to see that there's a different world out there than what's right here. This is why we give right, generously, because we believe the gospel needs to echo out. This is why Victory, um, from, from the beginning, said, hey, we're gonna give 20% of what comes in, at least 20% of what comes in, back out. We send uh, over $125,000 every single month out to over 80 missionaries around the world. I don't say we, I say we, 
You didn't even know that you were in places like Afghanistan and Iran and Myanmar and Brazil. You didn't even know you were there. But since you give, you're part of the ministry that's happening there. It's why we give in things like Christmas gift to the world. It's why literally people who have been caught in slavery are being set free in Pakistan. It's, it's, it's what enabled us to buy a church in Addis Ababa, or buy a brothel in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and turn it into a church where women have now been saved, discipled, gone through classes, set free, married with children, imparting generational blessing. We've dug wells. We've built orphanages. We've done all those things because we give and because we're continuing to give and things like heart of the house. So that's, that's why we're doing this. Why? Because God has called us to be witnesses who impact the nations. So when we say welcome to Victory Church, what do we mean? We mean, yes, we are a people who are gathered in, in numerous campuses around the city and online. Many of you are online right now. So we are people who are called out and gather. Yes, 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 yes. But I think bigger than that, the fact that we are people who gather, we then are a people who scatter back out as the family of God, who are gathered around the gospel, scattering back out, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go be witnesses who build families, to go be witnesses who transform communities, who go be witnesses who reconcile cultures, and who go as witnesses into the nations. And I believe it is time for the witnesses of Jesus to fill every industry, every city, every, every political group, every educational faction, every denomination, and every family with the beauty and the wonder of our King. And guys, today is just the beginning. Um, I am excited to walk with you guys through the book of Acts. And here's what's gonna happen over the next few weeks and even a few months. We're gonna see where we came from. We're gonna see where we're going. And we're going to embrace what Jesus is still doing through his church as he empowers us to be witnesses everywhere we go. Family, it's time to join the movement. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you so much. And God, we acknowledge this. We can only love you because you loved us first. We didn't start any of this. At the end of the day, I just kind of stand in awe and I say, who are we? Who are we? That you would so radically and generously love us and then not just love us and leave us where we were, but to actually call us into discipleship, into Christ-likeness, and then send us on mission empowered by your spirit. And lo, you'll be with us always, even to the very end of the age. I thank you for that, God, that we are a sent people. We have a mission. God, I thank you that you're kind of clarifying in so many minds today that, that our job isn't just to be saved and then sit in a place every seven days, but it's actually to be gathered for the purpose of then being scattered to go be witnesses. Every single one of us has a mission in life to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. But here's, a, here's a, what I also know, is that a lot of us are in here for a lot of the different reasons. So some of us are here every single week. Some of you, it's, it's your first time back in church in a long time. Some of you, it's, it's your first time in church, period. Welcome. I'm so glad that we have a God who has open arms. And here's how it works. Here's what the Bible actually says, is that when Jesus is lifted up, God will draw us to him. And so I know what's happened, because just because I know what God does, okay? As I've been talking over the last few minutes, God's actually been talking to some of you, and better than any words I could ever say are the words that God says. And I know over the last few minutes, God's been drawing some of you to Jesus. 
And here's what it looks like, is this thing called repentance, which is turning and dying to our old selves and our old desires and turning and putting our faith and trust in Christ alone. And if today God is drawing you to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you would say, hey, I'm coming back to Jesus. Man, this last year, last two years, whatever it was, it was a mess. But by God's grace, he's calling me back home. I wanna lead you in a prayer. But before I do that, I wanna see who I'm talking to. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, today God, God's calling me back home. Yeah, 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 that's a lot, that's a lot. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Yeah, that's a lot here today. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, but I have to say this, there's nothing magical about the words, right? What it is, it's about the, the thrust of the heart. Is this about what your life is actually about? And if so, you're about to be born again. <laughs> oh, thank you for this moment, God. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray, and family of God around you is gonna pray with you. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you came to earth. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. I embrace that today. And I respond through repentance. I turn from my sin. I turn from the darkness. I turn from my old life and I let it die. And I turn to put my faith in Jesus. Today, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, is my King, is my Savior. You have my past, my present, and my future. All of me belongs to you. I'm a new person. I belong to the family of God, all because of Jesus. Amen. And because of your confession of faith right now, family, I proclaim over your life in the name of Jesus that you are forgiven, you are free, and you are a child of God, not because of your works, but because Jesus said it is finished. And through faith, by God's grace, you are saved. And now, because you're saved, you are sent. And you are sent into your families. You are sent into your communities. You are sent into the cultures. And you are sent into the nations to be witnesses of the rule and the reign, the kingship and the glory and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give glory to God.